I adapted to the requirements of, of door knocking, which was requiring to be, you know what I mean by that, pop on point, offering something, selling something. So I adapted to that. I built that. And then that became a, a, a weapon I had as I built more businesses, leading a team, which was probably the biggest weapon that I built. And speaking well to customers, now I speak to at events and doing interviews. I had to build that. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Across his multiple businesses, including venturing into the blockchain and digital currency realm, Mario Nafal is a busy guy, hopping on jets to and fro. It made me imagine what life would be like where, of all modes of transport, the airplane is the one I most frequently take. But to do that, you have to be of a certain mind and motive. So today's episode is a window into that mind and motive, and I hope you find it as valuable as I did. Mario Nafal, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. Huge smile on my face. I've wanted to have this conversation with you for, for some time now. And uh, I, I have to say, you know, with each person that I get the the honor and privilege to talk to, the scope of what I would characterize as e-commerce, just to put it generally, it, it expands. And after looking into your profile and your reputation and, you know, and your business ventures and your activity, it expanded the scope in a way that I still actually have a hard time quantifying, uh, just because of everything that that you're up to. Um, most recently is uh, is BitCloud, which is something that I really wanted to share with my audience because there's this whole tech sector that we don't get into too much. So we're going to chamber that. First of all, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Tired, man. Like I've just been on flight after flight in Miami yesterday. I'm in New York now. I'll be in Switzerland, and, and I'll be back in Miami tomorrow, and then Switzerland the day after. So I just flat out. But otherwise, man, I'm, I'm, as my uh, a good VC friend of mine said last night, he was like, you sounded drunk. I'm like, man, i got to talk to you about a deal. And you sound completely drunk. He's like, man, I'm drunk on life. I'm high on life. I'm going to start using that. I'm high on life. Yeah, w- w- once in a while, I, uh, I encounter or I get to see people like that. So it's like, reminds me of, uh, of Steve Irwin, God bless his soul, uh, that man. That man was as high on, uh, high on life, high on adrenaline. So just just to, to to pick apart briefly, even what you just said, you know, uh, Switzerland, New York, you know, some people when they get they commute, they get on the bus and they and they go to work, and you know, their idea of commuting is just you know taking transit or driving from like maybe they go to a smaller town where their where their job is. Um, but with you and commuting, it's it's consistently getting out, hopping on flights. Pretty much the whole world has come under your um, your perspective, I, and I, and I want people to get into that mindset because. This is what it's like to, not that I'm saying I'm at that point, far from it, but this is what it's like to really become a mover and shaker in the world, to, to have to, the, the time that it might take to, to travel to a, a, another town or something like that is now the time spent getting on flights, meeting to other, other people, especially in a time where not, people aren't allowed to even leave their house. You know, we're coming just on the end of a, of a pandemic. So it's, it's just fascinating. That's just me kind of like a, unloading. So here's what I saw about BitCloud. Um, I wanted to start with your most recent activity and just see where we go from there. Um, I watched some of the some of the video content. I signed up for it too, just because you know why not? It wasn't didn't cost me anything to do. Um, and and one of the videos I saw is you know you're, you're sitting at the table and you've got your, uh, your 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 staff with you, and 
yeah, you were pretty damn happy about what you had accomplished. Last time I saw somebody that happy, they put a guy in the moon. So what did you do exactly? Like, I tried to understand, but I only have so much time to do my research. My Big Cloud journey has been interesting. So I do run a, a big growth hacking agency called We Are Growth Hackers. That means they back me with whatever it is I do. And when I joined BitCloud, they backed me in terms of marketing. BitCloud was still a small community. That bothered some people. It's very aggressive marketing. Who's that guy? Came out of nowhere. Suddenly, he's all over the place. And then rumors spread really quickly. So without me knowing over like a one, two-week period um, from me entering, you know, just doing my thing, marketing, giving value, posting videos, etc. suddenly there's multiple rooms about me. And because I do make a lot of noise and, and I come in with a bang. So there's multiple clubhouse rooms talking about this Mario Nofo. The word scammer being jumped uh, thrown around with no reasoning, with no substance whatsoever. And then I started having to deal with it. And I found out about it and I'm having to, to, to start addressing all the concerns and, and answering the questions. So I went through that tough period. Now, the scene you're seeing is during that tough period, I still managed to launch a project to get in the top 10, which is unheard of takes you weeks or months to get there if you're lucky. And um, I got there in a day and a half. Uh, that was a massive achievement. That screaming, that yelling there, I think was from that moment. Before actually shit hit the fan. So I was happy before all the drama and all the headaches started because we got into the top 10. Since then, it went on a massive downhill and then uphill again and we got to the top 10 again and, and everyone loves us now because they know the real, the real me. So... That was the achievement. You asked me what did I achieve on, on BitCloud, getting two coins to the top 10 within hours or days, uh, getting my third coin in the top 15. So raising more money than anyone has on the platform ever to date, um, having more projects on the platform. And most importantly for me, that it's not the, the scene was before that happened, but afterwards was just fine. Like, I don't mind anything. I've got very thick skin, but the worst feeling is false things flying. Like I feel bad for some politicians or celebrities. When there's rumors flying around that are purely incorrect, just blatantly false, but it is so hard to stop them um, and just so hard to address them. That was a really bad feeling. But when I addressed them, it got a lot better and obviously it's it's perfect now. So that's what I achieved and that's what um what what what, what I'd be proud of on the platform. Now maybe we can go through what BitCloud is for the audience. I mean they'll appreciate to know. I, I'd be happy. Uh, I'd be happy to, to to ask you that question too. I tend to hesitate because I don't want to turn my guests into like the dictionary. So it's more like you know, what's your take on it? What appeals to you about it? Two sent two sentences. I'd say to everyone, it's a decentralized social media platform. Who gives a shit? I'll change it in a sexy way. It's a Twitter copy with the option to buy people's coins that represents their value. If you think I'm gonna do well in life and I'm gonna my brand is going to grow, buy my coin. If you think my brand's gonna go down and I've reached my peak, sell my coin. That's BitCloud. It's a social media platform with the option to invest in people. And and I and I pulled up the uh, the web browser by the way, and just to see, yeah, yeah, you're you're still uh, on the uh, on the top rating there. I didn't I didn't count specifically because I'm trying to pay attention to the conversation. But yeah, you're you're there. Yeah, so I'm in the so I did an experiment yesterday. So I got I got my biggest investors, a big VC, to sell all my coins. And then reinvest them again gradually. So we're doing an experiment starting yesterday. So the coin dropped and they're going back up um, to let other people join in. So because when you go cheap and then you're going back up, people are like, oh, cheap, they join in and I get more investors now. So I started this experiment yesterday just before my flight. 
Um, so by the time you're watching this interview, it'll probably be in the top 20, not top 10 or 15. And then by the time, by the time you're now you look, Joseph, by the time someone's listening, <laughs> I'm in number one. So what what stuck out to me is um, the the fact that you know some people were were taking umbrage with um, uh, with what you were up to, and it reminds me of of a much not not like a specific scenario, um, but you think about when say actually I do have a specific scenario. You think of somebody like Tiger Woods. He enters into golf and everybody hates him because usually when people think golfers, they don't think of somebody in peak physical condition. I mean, for they, they drive from one hole to another for, for the love of God. But Tiger Woods, he was in peak physical condition. Uh, he, he trained and he was an, an amazing golfer. And, and, and I think a lot of resentment brewed around that. And what I find fascinating is that like old school mentality I think is the reason why a lot of people were having an issue with your uh, with your strategy, even though we're talking about the tech sector. This is supposed to be the frontier of uh, of progress. There shouldn't be an old way. There shouldn't be an established way to do something. This is all about exploration and experimentation. One thing I've learned, and, and to bring value to your audience, as you start getting attention, it's happened to me a few times with my companies or with me personally when I started building my personal brand about a year and a half to two years ago. But it's happened multiple times. It happened with a company called Fruity, my first company ever, with IBC. Then it happened with my personal brand on Clubhouse. I was the biggest name on Clubhouse. And then I was targeted. Uh, I had like 10,000 people listening to me per day, seven days a week. And then on, on BitCloud as well, went through the same process. Now, I'm more prone to it because I'm pretty aggressive with marketing. So I do make noise, which I'll comment on as well. But to comment on what you've said, when you're trying something new, when you stand out in some way, or when you're breaking the status quo, human nature seeks comfort. When you disrupt comfort, you're disrupting an aspect of human nature. Very normal to face resistance. It, you should expect to face resistance. Um, and that's what I, what I experienced. Now, I took it to another level because I, I disrupt the status quo, but I also disrupt it with a lot of noise. Now, why do I make noise? Well, I'm looking in New York now and out of the out of the building and out of the window, and there's all these massive um, apartment buildings, thousands of people in each one. In China, there's like dozens and dozens of these massive buildings. I see and I feel like a little ant. And then you think about it, there's seven billion people on this planet. Seven billion. Like the brain can't even grasp such a massive number. That's how small and insignificant we are. Now, why am I saying insignificant? Because we are. We're significant to a small circle of people. But in the general scheme of things, if I die today, I promise you none of your friends and family would know about you. Almost no one in, in, in your whole city or state. Michael Jackson dies and people forget about him after a few days. Who the hell am I? Now, when you realize how insignificant you are, you realize that you have to create your own significance. And that's why I choose to make noise and increase my likelihood of being someone then not make noise and have a small likelihood of being someone that, that, that didn't push it through through noise. You just got to stand out. You can't rely and say, hey, you know, Tiger Woods just played golf and look at his name now. Yeah, but there's millions of golf players. How many of them are Tiger Woods? So do things that increase your likelihood of getting to where you want to be. If it's you personally, then your personal brand. If it's your company, then you're competing with millions, thousands or millions of other businesses. And would you say that this is something that you've applied to your your strategy even as far back as your as your fruit blender? Because I remember looking into that too. You know, because um, I remember my first the, the first. So I I started in ecom. For anyone listening, before all my agencies and all the, the things I do now, 
And in e-com, I started my first business out of nothing, got $2 million in year one, $10 million in year two. All of it's through making noise. I got so many legal letters from my competitors for a startup. I was pretty impressed. Um, and I, that's how it built thick skin because I, I was pretty aggressive. I was not negative, just aggressive. My ads that used to work back then were simply on eBay and on Google. My ad was like, don't buy competitor name. That was the ad. So when people search the competitor name, my listing comes up saying, don't buy competitor name. Now, when they click on it and they go to my page, nothing negative about them. I, I play fair. But I was aggressive. I made noise. I think when people ask me, Mario, do you think making noise is a good, good, good strategy? Number one, if you're willing to deal with a backlash. Number two, if what you're offering on the other side is of value, then make noise. Going as far back as, you know, when you were going, you were doing door-to-door sales. And one of the things I remember reading, or maybe this was something you said in an interview, I have to admit, you know, some of the research is uh, a couple of months old now, but you were, you know, you had said that you were, uh, you're an introvert, you're introverted. So I don't think anybody would have, would have come to that conclusion just based on the conversation that we're having so far. So I would, uh, would like to know is, did, was that always a part of, uh, of you or like you're going, you're knocking on doors. I think there's an inherent aggressiveness to, you know, going to somebody's door and knocking on the door, taking up their time and, uh, and, and trying to sell them on something. So, um, did it, was it cultivated at that point or was it something that you had within you that had to come out because, well, you had to, in order to make that business work. So a few years ago, I did the Myers-Briggs test. My result was ISTP and ESTP. Now, I spoke to an analyst to explain it. She's like, you were born an ISTP, more introverted or more private, but you've developed an ESTP, which is the opposite, which is out there, outgoing. You know, I speak to thousands of people. When I'm in a room, I'm, I'm very commanding. I, I, you know, I, got a, I got a commanding voice. So I, I have that personality. And the way she's explained it is like, you were born right-handed. But if, if I chop off your right hand, I'm sure you can learn to write with your left hand because you have no other choice. If I chop off both of your, both of your hands, there's stories of people doing the same things with their feet. So people adapt. It is who we are as a species. So I adapted to the requirements of, of door knocking, which was requiring to be, you know what I mean by that, pop on point, offering something, selling something. So I adapted to that. I built that. And then that became a, a, a weapon I had as I built more businesses, leading a team, um, which was probably the biggest weapon that I built. Uh, speaking well to customers. Now I speak to at events and doing interviews. I had to build that. And the other thing too that I that I saw going back going back to your to your uh, BitCloud video there is you know you had you had your staff with you you, know, you had your people that you trust and they're up with you at three a.m. in the morning I'm, I'm making this happen. So um, how are you vetting the people that you you're, you're taking with you as you uh, as you go on this journey? So I was speaking to the HR team two days ago. And I told them one thing, and I've said this a few times. Now what I look for, the number one thing I look for, I'm going to let you guess because you're going to guess it wrong. I have a feeling I know what you're going to guess. So if I said to you, what's the one characteristic I look at, I look for, just, it's one word, um, in, in your hire. All right, I'll take a shot at this. Uh, determination. Determination is great. Trust is great. Organization is great. The number one thing I look for is intelligence. I call it cluey. Someone who just gets things because everything else becomes easier. I would hire someone who's intelligent, but I can't trust. No, I, I don't think many people would say that, but I'll just put them in a position where I don't need to trust them. 
So that's the characteristic I look for now. That doesn't answer your question directly. You ask me, how do I hire the people around me? Because those ones I trust. A lot of testing. I think people have to earn my trust. They don't gain it through an interview. And they have to earn their, no, their, 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 their position to be next to me. In a, so I rent big villas and I invite some people there and about 10 to 12 people to work by my side. So we had one in Turkey. We have one in now in Dubai. We're going to do one in Colombia. I wasn't that good at hiring initially. I would trust anyone. That when I ask a person, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm really good at it. I'm like, cool, hired. That's a big mistake. When someone says they can do something, that's the worst mistake in delegation. What you need to do is look for three things. And that goes still to your question. Like I always do this with anyone I bring on board. Number one, hire the right person for the right position. And look at case studies they've done, look at work they've done, test them. Number two, um, teach them like you're teaching a little kid. Don't expect them to know everything just like you do. They've just started. And number three, have a feedback loop, a way for you to check if they're doing a good job. So that would be my strategy now for hiring people around me or hiring people in general. And when it comes to to, to their credentials, I think part part of the issue is uh, you know in, in applying to to work uh, alongside you is also you know what. What, oh, sorry, I lost your video there for a second. There, you no, see? I can, I can hear. All good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Is you know what is you know what's the resume look like? What accomplishments do you want to see on them? Or could could it potentially be somebody say they just come out of school and they just and they have a certain something about them that you can tell from you know from from your process? Yeah, I, I look at experience. I think look, there's two way, two things, you, two ways you could go about this: getting someone junior and training them up yourself higher risk, higher reward, because they're going to be less expensive. Or getting someone senior, and you don't need to train them much yourself. They might even train you. Lower risk, it's going to be more expensive. When I started out, I went for the first. Now, I prefer the second more. Because I'm at a position now where I can't afford risk. I'm scaling a company, hiring a lot of people. I just can't afford risk. This is another thing that I that I had seen. Um, coming back to, I guess, I don't know what like the best word to call it. And I'm not trying to be... Um, you know, uh, uh, soft about it too. I just tension or drama is like one way to say it. I don't know. I really can't think of like the best word for it. Uh, uh, what oh, I was just talking. I was just talking to someone in my team about it. I was one minute late to our interview because I was talking about exactly that, literally that same thing. Like, I don't want drama that happened last time. Just don't let it happen again. Not everyone is as objective and straight as we are. So yeah, I was just talking about it before this interview. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a chronic overthinker, so uh, one of my issues is spending too much time trying to come up with it, which in of itself is an issue. But anyways, one of the things that I saw that I appreciate about what you're up to is, you know, with these people who have an issue with what you do, you did a video, you wanted to reach out to them. You said, look, I just want to work with, with people. Oh, you I just want to make things happen. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I did. I, uh, I, 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 tried. I do my best to be as informed as I can. You, do really, and, you, you did a lot of research. It's one of the best interviews I've had because you're asking very specific questions, very detailed. And it skips through a lot of the fluff for the audience. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if it gets like, you know, uh, 30 minutes and I got to fill another 30, then I'd be like, okay, so what's your favorite snack? But, you know, I, I always want to make sure that I get to the the, the key stuff right away. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, and I always tell my audience too, they, I think... Uh, if they got their punch cards ready, they punch it out. I probably owe a few of them a copy at this point. But there is all the time in the world to go into your YouTube, go to your websites, see your businesses, see all of that. I trust my audience to do their own digging. What I try to do is, you know, unearth, I guess, like the lifestyle or the the mindset or just you know, what is what happens to you on a day to day basis, and you know, what are some of the issues you face? Because I think what happens is there's this idea that when people they they have their idealized version of success. And they think what happens is when we get to that point, and I'm myself in this too, by the way, 
I get to this point and all of a sudden my problems disappear. Like I stop being Joseph Ayani and all of a sudden I turn into this guy who's like, I'm happy all the time. I'm not stressed out. I got all this money in the bank. Nothing to worry about. I got castles. Like, it gives a shit. All right. Look, let me tell you this. Two, a month and a half ago, I was staying with my team in a, what we call the Bikla Castle. That's why you mentioned castle. Uh, it was like literally looked like a castle, 12 bedrooms. And we were all working from there. Beautiful location, beautiful food. Everything's taken care of. Simple life. I had my dance partner with me. We danced. Business is going really well. Perfect. I went through so much drama, lack of sleep, and having to deal with 16-year-olds, bad-mouthing me, talking negative about me, telling me what I should do. And I was humbly listening to them, taking the shit so I can address all the concerns and the, and the, the negative rumors around. It's all addressed now. But that's me, not a startup entrepreneur, getting, getting things, getting my brand built or whatever. That's me having made it in life. Celebrities, politicians, influencers, they all go through depression. They all go through worse than what I went through. It never ends. However, success and comfort does bring a level of, of comfort. Success and money does bring a level of comfort, but also bringing, brings more responsibilities and more stress. And if you don't learn to detach yourself, I, do, I dance around the world, so that's how I detach myself. I travel around dancing, but if I didn't have that, it makes it very difficult to deal with it. Like now I'm the CEO of a company going public. I have a board that I have to report to. I have one of the biggest names in business on my board. And um, we're not gonna, we can't disclose him now, but since it's going to go out in a while, I can mention his name. So Kevin O'Leary is going to be on his board, on the board and be part of the company. Kevin O'Leary is obsessed with his personal brand and rightly so, because he's they put so much effort into building it. And anything I do could impact that. That's much more responsibility than I've ever had. Because now I've got all my other companies as well. And I've got my own personal brand. I was speaking to a VC on the plane this morning. And we were talking about how he's anonymous and I'm not. We're sitting together in the plane. It's commercial. And he was sitting next to me and we were talking about how he's anonymous and I'm not. And, and that gives me a lot more stress, more reward, because I have a brand I can leverage. But with more reward, there's almost always more stress and more risk. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. So you, you mentioned um, uh, your your business partner, and just in case we have to uh, cut him out, I'm not going to keep saying the name over and over. I don't want to make life harder for my editor. But you know, part of his personal brand too is yeah, it's where he's appeared on television. Um, it's also his personality too. Um, and you know, another person whom whom I I, I admire for a number of reasons is is, uh, is for, um, then President Donald Trump. Although depending on who you talk to, including me, we tend to think he still is president, but that's a whole other issue. Is he? also has his persona, you know, and, and I think there is a degree of separation between the pressure to maintain that persona and then, you know, to, to also be yourself. And when you get to actually, you know, be yourself, the cameras are off, the people who you don't have to appeal to or communicate to, they're all, you know, they're all not in the room. So is this a, is this a struggle that you're also facing too? Like, no, not a struggle. Yeah, no, not a struggle because I am, I make it easy to myself by doing two things. Very cheesy things. Be honest and be yourself. Why? When you're yourself, there's no persona to maintain. When you're honest, there's no lies to keep 
you know, keep building up. But the personal brand is an extension of who you are, but not exactly who you are. You know, when I'm sitting there chatting my friends, chatting with my friends, I'm more relaxed, etc. I don't need to have that energy. On Clubhouse, I used to run rooms for like 11 hours straight, nonstop. One room, 11, 12 hours, nonstop. Me leading it, not different people speaking. I'm the only one. Imagine you're doing this podcast for like 11 hours with different people jumping on. I would do it for 11 hours straight. I did it once. That's my record. Six hours, eight hours, four hours, um, nonstop. And with celebrities jumping in, I talked to them one after the other, after the other, after the other. That was, that. that's tough because you have to maintain that level of energy because that's me. Everyone looks at me as a person has got a lot of energy. It's very energetic. That speaks well. I don't always have this energy. Most of the time I do, but not always. And maintaining that is hard. And, and whether you're talking about Trump or O'Leary or, or any other personality, uh, um, in most cases, I'm sure they're in a similar position. For in some cases, they're always themselves. Like Gary Vee is Gary Vee all the time. This is Gary Vee. Like if you meet him, it's Gary Vee. He's more chillax, but still Gary Vee. So it's not hard for him um, to maintain it. I've never met Trump on, on a personal level, so I can't talk about him. But if it's someone like um, a TV show host, like David Letterman, okay? David Letterman is not David Letterman when he's off the scene. He's a completely different person. Or, or I've got the other one's name. Or, or uh, Trevor Noah to an extent. No, David, David Letterman. He's very different. So he has to put a lot more effort to maintain that persona. I wouldn't like that because then it becomes more of a job rather than just you being yourself and building a brand around yourself. Uh, again, I still have the uh, the, the BitClot list, and uh, I think it's fair to draw this comparison between you and the number one person right now, who is uh, Elon Musk. Now, you know, I, I say the name like that, and his brand comes into uh, razor sharp focus. We know Tesla, um, we know uh, SpaceX, um, and me personally, I also uh, uh, have a, a distinct admiration for flamethrowers. So I pose that same question to you: Is when people say Mario in the fall? What do you want to come into razor sharp focus? I don't have that focus yet. So it's more, I'm keeping it broad as an entrepreneur. But it is getting, becoming more and more the crypto guy. So I'm deep in crypto. I'm the early crypto guy in different things. I would say this is being the, the, the timing guy, the guy that's an early adopter in things. There's something new, Mario's there. Would you mind telling the, the audience what you're looking into as far as crypto goes. We got BitCloud. I don't think that's the, the extent of it, but you know, um, what else are you up to in regards to Bitcoin? I'm me right now. I just got my Coinbase. I got a couple of uh, coins here and there, but nothing really substantial. Who would you say your audience is in like one sentence so I can frame it right? Dro well, drop shipping was the first thing that came to my head. Um, entrepreneurs, startups. Got it. Yeah, single people really trying to make a, make their way. Okay, so in e-commerce, because I'm an e-commerce guy. <laughs> I, I love e-com. I know e-com. Um, in e-com, Lifetime value in AOV is everything. Acquiring a customer, so average order value in LTV, and I'll explain it in a second. Acquiring a customer is really expensive now. Drop shipping doesn't work that well. Acquiring a customer costs a lot. So what you need to do is increase the value of the order when you sell it, and the value of the life of the customer, the customer is not only on the first purchase, that's the beginning, because getting them to buy again is a lot easier. We'll give you an edge, we'll give you a moat, we'll allow you to beat your competitors. I think the businesses that will win are the businesses that can have a higher LOV, LTV or AOV. That's an e-com. In crypto, um, just think long term. There's just so many things. We're focused on BitCloud, social tokens, the metaverse, you know, the gaming, having owning your own stuff within like a, a digital world, having your own identity there, having your own business there, like Decentraland. That's really interesting. Um, and um, 
everyone's excited about NFTs, and I'm sure you've heard about it. It's interesting, have, but yeah. it's get, just getting started, so it's too early. I'm very involved in the space. But with anything you do and, and whatever new hype thing you hear, if you approach everything for, with a long-term approach, you're most likely going to do fine. If you're going to approach everything with, am I going to make money next week? You're likely going to lose money. There was a there was a YouTuber um, uh, by the name of a Six Hexen Hammer Six Six Six, political analyst, uh, writer, uh, and I think he's also a spellcaster. And um, one of the points that he made about uh, cryptocurrency is that if you think about some of the people who invested into say like early firearms, you know, you're talking about sticking gunpowder, you stick the, the the pellet in, and you know, shoot, and then maybe it kills a guy. Um, so the technology certainly evolved over time, and a lot of old school weaponry doesn't uh, doesn't apply any longer uh, which is true still to this day i mean we don't even know what kind of technology there is out there and we're not supposed to that's called strategy so but he, he drew that comparison to cryptocurrency in that a lot of these coins with the exception of bitcoin which has you know it has like the i guess the legacy to it it has the that kind of um reputation the rest of them it's hard to quantify if they have long-term value because they might not be efficient compared to what comes down the corner. So how have you been able to identify you know, what is going to last in the long term? You can't, you can't, you can't, you, you can't, you can't. Like who would have known Amazon would be the internet or, or not Yahoo, but Google would be here today or YouTube would be here today, not the other competitor. Or one of our board members was a founder of a company. I forgot what they're called. They were Netflix before Netflix. They're not there anymore. I think Netflix acquired them. So it's impossible. That's what VCs, venture capitalists try to do. Yeah, it's it's genuinely impossible. It's just a matter of trying to get tick as many boxes as you can and understand that you're most likely going to get it wrong. Uh, the way we approach this is trying to invest across a more diverse portfolio because we do have NFT tech, which invests in, which doesn't invest, but it's it's got like um, involvement and exposure to various platforms to give exposure to other investors that buy the, the shares in that company. I don't want to get into the structure. But essentially what it does is just get exposure to as many companies as you can because it diversifies risk. So you bet on the technology rather than one certain platform. And same as when you're in e-com because you got a lot of e-com people. If um, CBD is trending, you can build your own CBD brand and sell it. Or you could sell a product or a service like a CBD marketing agency that will benefit from the entire industry. So it's a picks and shovels approach. We have, a, uh, I think I've got maybe for another 10 minutes. So I've got a few other things that I wanted to, to run past you. So I wanted to get back to one of the things that you had mentioned earlier about um, really trying to build bridges and, and, and reach out to people and and say, you know, let's, let's work together on this. What I'm wondering is if anybody actually took that offer and, and, and made amends and, and wanted to talk to you and came to a deeper understanding. Yeah, so... It works. One of my one of the companies I'm involved in got a little a, a, a bit of backlash. Nothing important. They're like Mario, it's not important, and we shouldn't address it. It was just something really silly. I'm like, and this is important for anyone. If there's rumors spreading around you or anything negative, don't let it blow over. Don't, because you're risking that it feeds itself and becomes something massive. For me, it started small and then became the talk of Biclout. Everyone knew about me and everyone thought, I heard you're a scam. Why? I have no idea. I just heard it. So it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy. The earlier you nip it in the bud, the less risk you have. So, and yeah, when I did, the response has been great. People love getting reached out to you. Like, holy shit, when I speak to you, actually you're very different. I feel a lot more at ease now. 
it just takes a two minute conversation. Um, when I jumped into my first clubhouse room, they invited me as a guest so they can all air their concerns. That was the beginning of the end of the negative press around because I just addressed all their concerns with facts, which was really easy to prove because Mikla is decentralized. So everything's public, it's open source, everything's on the blockchain. Um, so that addressed all their concerns. And since then, it started going positive because I did it in front of an audience. So I mean, like if you, if you have someone that doesn't address the concerns that hides behind the scenes, um, the concerns will only grow. Like I can give you a politician. They're sitting behind the scenes making decisions, never go out and speak to the public. People say, oh, they control the world, or oh, they're, they're, they're this or they're that. And they, they, so all these rumors will fly around. But if they're out there doing these TV shows, doing those, those interviews, doing, doing this, going to the, to, the, to, the, to the public, speaking to them, people will relate to them more. Because again, you just have to look at how we operate as a species. You know, I, I have to say, I think the thing that uh, the biggest takeaway from uh, from what you just said has to be the fact that it's all decentralized and that all the information is freely available on the blockchain. Uh, exactly. Because that's one of the issues about fact-based uh, arguments is that if the facts themselves are manipulated, then it's no more trustworthy than the person using them. But it, we, that that is the beauty of a of, of blockchain and decentralization of, of currency and information. It is there. It is public and no one can mess with it. If anybody tries to mess with it, they'll find out. Exactly. The thing is that I found out is that people are too lazy to verify. Even though it's all public, no one could be bothered going to verify. Um, but a small number of people, developers, just started digging deep into me. They're like, oh, we want to find dirt on Mario because self-fulfilling prophecy. We hear negative, we want to prove. And plus, people that don't like when you're aggressive, they want to find something on you because this guy's aggressive. They don't like my, the way I do business. They want to find something negative to kind of affirm what they already believe. Confirmation bias. Um, so they went deep. They couldn't find a thing, and that kind of helped me even further clean my name. But um, yeah, the blockchain is pretty cool because everything is public, but it's also you know privacy comes in there. And with that, I, I recognize that I cannot keep you for for a second longer. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been great just to you know pick pick apart here and there, um, try to get a better scope of, of what you're up to. And I feel like I'm making progress, but uh, uh, there's there's still more of a ways to go. So uh, hopefully down the line, I, I I'd love to have you back. I'm but... happy. I'm, I'm actually happy to do another one because you asked the right question. It's actually really enjoyable doing this interview. Um, so if you want to pick it, pick my brain further and, and dig into it deeper. You, know, you said you have a drop shipping audience, how I built e-commerce businesses and I've done this, what my model is like, um, how e-commerce people could, could expose themselves. You know, I was an e-com and then I launched an agency out of nothing. I knew nothing about building agencies or talking to businesses. I bootstrapped it to seven figures in less than six months. It was called IBC, still here now doing really well. Um, how I also became a partner in a law firm. So from e-com to exposing myself to all these different things, investor, um, it's an interesting, interesting journey. There's a lot of things I learned from it. And I always share my, my learning lessons very objectively in a self-aware, humble way. So I know if I don't know something, and I know what I do know. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to go through it further and dig into it deeper if you like with the audience. Okay, well, that, that would be fantastic. I'll be sure to uh, uh, prep uh, our next conversation with all of that in mind. So with that, just let the audience know um, how they can uh, uh, look you up and find out what you're up to and uh, and get involved. Uh, and by the way, guys, uh, get yourself a, a Bitcoin token. It's nothing. I I, signed, I started one up because you never know who's going to be next. It's very interesting. Yeah, it just listed on an exchange yesterday. So now um, it's going to get a lot more traction. But yeah, just Google my name for anyone that is interested to connect. Mario Norfol, N-A-W-F-A-L, and just can ping me on any platform. Fantastic. All right. Uh, to our audience, I'm going to uh, wrap this up uh, ASAP. 
So as always, it is an honor for all of you to be able to collect this information and share it with all of you. And uh, to my to my guest, Mario, it's great to meet you. Great to have this chat. Can't wait for our next one. Uh, all the best. Take care. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.